Hi, Greg Perry, the historic preservationist. Welcome to episode 371. Uh, back on uh, the upholstery subject today, uh, we're going to talk about some basic rules and tips of upholstery. So let's start off with tools. Using the correct tools in the correct way will save both time and energy to improve your results considerably. Take time to become familiar with them and take advantage of their versatility. A regulator, for instance, is invaluable in many situations. Grasp hammers at the end of the handle. Do give more accurate aim and greater impact with less effort. Do not point the index finger down the shaft. It is not a dinner knife. Use a magnetic hammer and practice picking up the individual tacks. If you're tacking into an awkward spot that the hammer will not reach, lodge the tack in the rail. Pushing the tack with your fingers, hold the tip of a straight chisel to the top of the tack and knock the handle of the chisel with the flat of your hammerhead. A regulator is used primarily to regulate or adjust stuffing. Insert the pointed end at an angle and to the depth required. Sweep it around to fill dips and smooth the lumps out. A regulator can also be used as an extra finger when tacking on difficult rails. This useful tool will also prove handy for working fabric between pads where your fingers cannot reach. Stitch a twine through the fabric with a needle. Then thread both ends through the eye of the regulator. Push it through the awkward space and pull the twines to draw the fabric through. Materials. Make a generous allowance when cutting materials until you have gained confidence to working. So I recommend, you know, an extra three inches on all sides for basic materials and two inch allowance for over top covers. In time, you'll be able to reduce the quantities specified for the job. So let's talk about the order of working. There are three basic rules to consider. When planning your work, it is generally advisable to start with the inside back, then do the arms, seat, and finally the outside back. However, if you're working on a complicated piece, such as a wing chair or Chesterfield, you may prefer to work on the seat at an early stage so that you have a surface to rest your tools on. In general, it is wise to work the back and front rails before the sides. But you should always start by working on the rails that determine the shape of the chair. Always work on rails from the center out towards the sides. When working on webs, start by fixing the center web. Either complete one side and then the other, or work on both sides alternately. When working with fabrics, fold the materials to find a center. Place at the center of the rail and tack at the point first and then fix one tack on either side. On straight rails, work to one side and then the other. On curves and other shapes, work alternatively on either side of the center to make sure that any patterns are symmetrical, that the cloth is set square on the frame, and that any cleaning, which is cutting away of any waste material, occurs at the corners or end of the rails. Squaring the fabrics. <clears throat> it is vital, vital that all materials, such as 
Webbings, scrims, muslins, and top cover is always fixed square to the frame in order to take advantage of their strength and durability. Train yourself from the start. Automatically to follow threads by eye and tack off warp and weft threads totally square. This habit will help you when tacking materials over three-dimensional shapes. Pulling them over smoothly and e evenly, especially when it comes to working with the top cover. To ensure accuracy, you can use the point of a regulator to pull the fabric forward in line with the tacks on the opposite rail and pull it to the frame to hold it in place while you tack. If you tack the fabric too tightly, it will strain across the pad and create a tension line. <laughs> this is known as a tack tie. To correct this, release the fabric and re-tack correctly. Tension. The tension of materials must, must be sound and regular in order to distribute weight and wear evenly. This is something that you'll learn to judge instinctively, and I've described it where necessary for each technique. In general, if the upholstery is not taut enough, it will sag in use. But if it was too taut, the materials will split away from the tacks and thus from the frame eventually. Tacking. Think ahead when considering the position of tacks. This will depend on the number of layers of material and the size of the rail. If you are a beginner, you should always temporary tack initially. Bury the tack only halfway into the frame to enable removal with a ripping chisel if it has to be repositioned. Tacking off is the action of hammering the tacks home completely into the rail to anchor the fabric firmly. So as you gain experience, you will know which stages can be tacked off at once. Always hammer the head first flat. If the heads are at an angle, they will not anchor soundly and will cut through all the materials eventually. Protecting the wood. Finally, a word of caution. When working on a chair with a, with a wood frame which is showing, always take care to protect any vulnerable parts by wrapping them with batting and pad your table or trestle when, when you're having direct contact with them so the wood, won't, the wood finish or the film finish will not scratch. Sh show wood tack rails, which cannot usually be wrapped, should be padded when using a webbing stretcher, or you can also use a painter's tape and make sure you have total coverage. When close nailing near the rail, hold a piece of cardboard against the rails. So we're going to talk about knots and stitches. Basic knots and stitches for upholstery are described. Once you become familiar with them, you will discover their versatility and be able to use them in a way that works best for you. For instance, I generally use two or three simple half hitch knots. So, and these will be described in just, uh, just a few minutes. So first, let's talk about the slip knot. Slip knots are used to fasten on twines, threads, or cords that must be firmly secured or that will be under stress. Pull the two pieces of twine or cord you are knotting toward you with your, with your left hand between thumb and forefinger, making sure that the short end is at least four inches long. Loop the short end under your forefinger Wrap it around the two twines and bring it back through the loop. 
pull on pull onto loosely the tied knot and then pull the other twine to tighten for a double slip knot wrap the loose end twice around the other two twines let's talk about a tack hold temporarily tack a large tack into the frame make a half hitch knot in a plate in a piece of twine or cord and loop it around the tack alternately simply wind the twine around the tack pull tight and tack off firmly. The fastening is not commonly used to secure laid cord to the frame when lashing springs. So a running stitch. Stitch sizes vary from one half inch when used to make a deck seam line to three to four inches for stuffing ties. A back, a back stitch. A good strong stitch for securing fabrics to one another, but it's, it should hold and should not be used as a top cover. A blanket stitch. This is useful, a useful stitch for curved joints at burlap and scrim stage. Pull tight to compress the stitches. It can be used as an edge stitch to create a razor sharp corner or wind the thread around the needle twice to lock this stitch in place. A slip stitch. Use a slip stitch for invisible seams on top covers and for sewing on cords. To ensure that the stitches do not show, always start a stitch at a couple of threads back from where the thread comes out of the other side of the seam. Pull up the threads as you work along the seam, and if the stitch shows, take it out and restitch. That uh, sums the section up. Greg Perry, the Historic Preservationist, signing out. Thanks for listening.